0: Welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. It's been a year since the military coup in Myanmar. The army seized power on the 1st of February 2021, claiming fraud in a democratic election won by Aung San Suu Kyi's National League for Democracy party. Su Kyi and members of her party were detained and the military declared a year of national emergency. So what are the prospects for democracy in a country whose economy is in freefall, where millions face poverty and food insecurity, and where violence is increasing at an alarming rate? On today's program, we'll discuss the coup in Myanmar one year on. My guest on today's program is Debbie Stoddard, the founder of the Alternative ASEAN Network on Burma. She's based in Bangkok and has worked on Burma solidarity activism for decades.
1: As a Burma activist, uh, supporting human rights and democracy struggle in that country since 1988, I've not seen the situation this bad. More than uh, eleven thousand people have been arrested, and eight thousand are still in detention, subjected to torture and very harsh conditions, including um, in- increasing vulnerability to COVID and other diseases. Now, the last time we we had the the largest, I mean, until the coup, the largest number of political prisoners on record was it was three thousand in nineteen ninety. So this is. Nearly, you know, to have t- nearly 12,000 people arrested is quite shocking. Let's not forget that there's an Australian who is a political prisoner in of this military junta, and it's Sean Turnell, who was a, a, prof- a professor and academic at Macquarie University. What is quite shocking is that other foreign prisoners, including Americans, were, were, were released. Um, within months of the detention, and, and on February 6, Sean would have been detained, unlawfully and arbitrarily detained, without much access to legal counsel for a whole year, and the Australian government has not done very much. They've not exercised any leverage to secure his release. They've simply tried to send diplomatic they've been, they've been trying to use quiet diplomacy and um, um, and and letters and phone calls to the polite letters and phone calls to the military and the military has not respected Australia at all and Sean remains in detention. but what is just as concerning is the fact that the junta has actually stepped up attacks um, armed clashes, and, and and armed attacks, mainly targeting civilians and harming, uh, causing harm to civilians. In the past four months, there have been so many attacks uh, throughout the country, urban and rural areas alike, that um, the that the. Conflict in Burma, the number of conflict incidents in Burma is more than Syria and Afghanistan combined, if you compare the figures for the months of September, October, November, and December. The military is escalating attacks and the brutality of its crimes across the country because they are panicking that they've not been able to gain territorial control of the country. They did not expect. The level of um, resistance, both in terms of the people's defense force, the um, local militias um, resisting military attacks, but also the political resistance that there's a very comprehensive national unity government, um, which is comprised of uh, the, the committee representing the parliament, which represents 76% of elected MPs and ethnic nationality organizations that were previously excluded from um, national politics. So this is, and it and didn't anticipate the level of um, non-violent resistance happening from the ground, but also um, pressure from the, the Burmese diaspora across the globe. So I think the... You know, I've said this before, this coup has been a tragic failure. Tragic for the people in Burma, but really a failure for the military junta that despite all their weapons, all their money, and all their soldiers, and this we're talking about 400,000 soldiers, they haven't been able to get the country under control. What we're seeing is, the military losing a lot of people to defections, thousands of soldiers and police not, um, not um, willing to commit any more atrocities have been defecting. And there is actually a movement called People's Embrace simply aimed at encouraging so- soldiers and police to, to defect to leave the junta. So the junta is facing a a huge morale problem internally. And what they've done is actually call call back retired uh, servicemen to come work, to come back into active combat duty. But worse still, they're actually subjecting the wives and children of soldiers to military training. What this means is that a soldier and his family his family members are technically liable to be drafted into the military for either combat or non-combat duty but also it's a very strong message to the soldiers that we have your wife and we have your children they are, they are being trained by us so don't think about defecting so we, we things are actually um, um, the situation is spiraling things are escalating the atrocity crimes have become extremely intense. Uh, November, then uh, early December, sorry, in the, the intensity and the brutality of crimes have, have become much more intense. Uh, the military junta seems to um, be in stepping up the brutality in order to intimidate and frighten the population. In early December, we saw 11 people, including uh, five teenagers, um, tortured and burnt to death in Sagain region, which is in the west of the country, and then just over two weeks later, on on Christmas Eve, um, thirty seven uh, internally displaced people in Kaya or Kareni state, um, who were trying to travel um, to a safer place to spend Christmas with their relatives, were were were. Taken by the military, tied up, and burnt to death. So that Christmas massacre is is horrific. But that didn't stop because um, earlier this month, we in uh, in early January, ten uh, me- men, and including one 13-year-old boy, were found killed in Chin State again in the west because the military had abducted them, used them as as human shields, and then. Um, and then slit their throats. So we we see these very, very horrific crimes taking place. And it seems to be part of a deliberate pattern to to shock and intimidate the the population into uh, submission. But with every crime, it just makes people more angry.
2: So you talked a little bit about um, some of the strategies that the people are using to resist. The coup, you mentioned the National Unity Government and all of these other um, formations that have come together to oppose the coup, including um, peaceful, non violent responses to the military junta. But I didn't hear you mention particularly the anti hunter people's defence forces and militias that have formed throughout the country. Are you able to talk a little bit about that? Because there is some media reporting that these, these groups are armed. So it would look like that there is also some armed resistance. Um, and that some of these armed resistance are targeting security force personnel and perceived civilian supporters of the junta. Is there any truth to this? I mean, obviously the situation there is very, very messy.
1: The situation is very messy on the ground. And what we saw in the early, um, the early wave of resistance, which was mainly peaceful, uh, um, very large rallies happening um, uh, repeatedly throughout the country, And Then when the military started assassinating and using violence against against the the protesters, um, and it became quite clear that neither ASEAN nor the international community, nor the UN was going to do anything substantial to ensure civilian protection, then a number of people decided that they would have to take up arms to defend themselves against this brutality. So now we've got um, the People's Defense Force, which is really um, a a series of decentralized units happening, uh, operating around the country and other militia that um, align themselves. In the struggle, in the resistance against the military, including a very colorful named militia called Bad Guys with Good Hearts. Apparently, they are reformed gangsters um, uh, using their their, their, fighting against and targeting the military. But the problem with this is that while the NUG very early on issued guidelines to ensure that. Um, uh, aligned militias did not um, break international law. These these groups are essentially operating independently, and for some of them, um, they have indeed been targeting civilian representatives of the junta and that's um, in, in very very often in retaliation to the fact that the the military and its own militia called the pew sortie have been assassinating um, uh, members of the NLD as well as other um, activists who are leading general strikes and so on so um, this is this is concerning because, because the international community has failed to um, apply ta- effective targeted sanctions against the military or even impose a global arms embargo or somehow risk. Rest- um, um, somehow restrict or discourage. The military from escalating its violence, then this violence on the ground, including from people who feel that they have a human right to self-defense and survival, um, will also escalate their violence. The but the reality is that the PDF and these militias are not and are, are not very well armed. They don't have the type of resources that the military, the illegal military junta, have. Um, and but but the military is definitely targeting a lot of the ethnic border areas because they are extremely afraid of the way the pdfs um, will coordinate are coordinating and are aligning themselves with ethnic armed organizations who have been resisting the military um, for decades so this is why this is why we're seeing airstrikes artillery fire and all kinds of um, military um, offensives targeting mainly the ethnic border areas.
0: And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. On today's show, we look at Myanmar, 12 months on from the military coup that happened on the 1st of February, 2021. My guest is Debbie Stoddard, the founder of the Alternative ASEAN Network on Burma. She's based in Bangkok and has worked on Burma solidarity activism for decades.
2: I mean, what are the chances that this is going to be a long drawn out civil war like Syria, for instance, which has been going on for 10 years? Where again, uh, similarly, the government miss or underestimated the force of people's resistance, but then it's very hard to track what is a left wing resistance, what are other right wing resistances, what are infiltrations by the CIA, etc. What are the chances that Myanmar is going to develop into some drawn out, complicated affair
1: like that? You know, Giselle, I, I I actually ran a human rights workshop on the Syrian border in 2013 uh, with activists there, and the conflict had you know was still very uh, new. And when I was explaining to, they asked about um, the struggle in Burma, and that time I I shared that the Karen had been fighting for nearly six decades, and they felt really upset because they said, "Oh no." we can only hold up for 3 years i don't we don't think that we don't want to be stuck in a conflict that runs for decades so it's kind of ironic that you're asking me whether i think the conflict in burma is going to um, to to run for 10 years like syria the reality is that the country various parts of the country have been in a state of war for decades what we're seeing is a sharp Dramatic and disastrous um, uh, a spike because of the military junta's coup, and because that this military junta has now um, decided to treat all pretty much all the civilians who don't support them as as their enemy. Um, for example, in Karen State, Karen State was was subjected to low-intensity conflict for six decades. But what we've seen in the past 12 months is um, airstrikes launched on Karen State because of um, because a lot of um, dissidents or leading activists who couldn't um, stay in urban areas have sought shelter in Karen State. We're seeing um, uh, uh, intensified conflict. Um, Focusing on border ethnic areas, mainly because the military is also afraid of how the PDFs are linking up and aligning with ethnic armed organizations so. um, We we definitely cannot afford to see this conflict go on for for very much longer because it's not just the impact, the toll it will take on people in Burma, it's the toll that it will take on the rest of the region. And this is why it's so important for the UN Security Council to do more than just make statements. And it's so important for the rest of the international community, especially countries in the global north, to apply targeted economic sanctions on the sources of foreign exchange revenue to the junta. And that includes... Myanmar oil and gas enterprise, um, because oil and gas revenues are actually the cash cow of this junta.
2: Well, the regime has supposedly declared what its plans and intentions are for restoring democracy in, in Myanmar. They announced very early on in the conflict a five-point roadmap that supposedly includes elections in mid-2023. And after those elections, the Junta says it will hand over power to an elected president. I mean, how likely is that? And, And actually, has the Junta retracted that statement?
1: Oh, you know, the junta, when the coup happened, it was supposed to be this year, elections happening this year. So the I think not even the junta, even the military itself, it, it doesn't believe its own statements. And we need to understand, like um uh, you know, people when we when we when we reflect back, the international community was extremely shocked that there was a coup. Why? because they saw the economic boom in Burma and did not imagine that the military, which was one of the main beneficiaries of this economic growth, would actually uh, uh, um, basically stab itself um, and hurt its own economic opportunities. And so this this is the irony of it all, that the coup itself is not logical. That there was such a thing as a coup is not logical, given the military already was sitting pretty in terms of the economic and political life of the country. But when you dig further, then you understand that this coup is essentially the worst manifestation imaginable of toxic masculinity. This is a coup that was initiated by Senior General Min Aung Lai who was supposed to retire in July when he reached retirement age, and he, who would have lost an, a huge amount of political and economic influence in the country. He was the one who tried to pressure Aung sang Suu Kyi to make him president. And when she refused, he threw a tantrum, arrested her, and launched the coup. Now, other people in the military who also joined the military for economic opportunities are hurting. They do not think, they do not agree with the way this situation has deteriorated and how this coup has just gone off the rails, gone out of control. I mean, the Myanmar charts de- uh, devalued by about 60% in September. That's how low it plunged. Um, you know 48% of the population are now projected to be in situation of poverty, um, you know the all of these and more and more companies are pulling out, not just because of the human rights situation or because of the reputational risk it's also because the junta's disproportionate violence and it's crackdowns are actually affecting business infrastructure. So. Businesses just can't run anymore. Most of them are a mothball and they're just waiting, trying to wait out this coup. And a number of them have already realized it's a year into this coup, and they can't afford to hang around. And that's why we've had the giant, these oil um, giants, uh, Chevron and Total Energies, announced that they're pulling out. Woodside Australia also announced that they're pulling out. And this is, and and so this is something that. Is really concerning to other members of the military. Even some military families have anonymously been posting um, uh, uh, selfies um, of, of, of signs of resistance on social media to show that they they themselves are against the school. So at this point, what we can what we really need is a global arms embargo. We need the UN. Um, to commit to referring Burma to the International Criminal Court because the NUG itself has already officially recognized the jurisdiction of the court. We need accountability for these crimes and end to impunity. But also, we need targeted economic sanctions that's going to hit the regime's regime family pockets so that they will eventually purge men online because they realize he's the one, he's their biggest liability in the country. And he's the one who dragged this country down this horrific and disastrous path.
0: That was Debbie Stoddard, the founder of the Alternative ASEAN Network on Burma. She's based in Bangkok and has worked on Burma solidarity activism for decades. We were discussing Myanmar 12 months on from the military coup. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. The music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kanjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hannah and I look forward to your company again next week.